You are listening to KUCI FM in Irvine. Uh, oh, what is that? That smells like a dead cat covered in old shrimp. The Heather McCoy Show. Yes, it is the Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to it. Uh, midway through the show, we'll talk with Coda Motors Vice President of Marketing and Product Planning, Greg Adams. Then rounding out the hour, we'll be talking with Robert Larson, and he'll join us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, we have a regular contributor, the blogger be- behind fieldofschemes.com, Neil DeMaus. Uh, welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning, Heather. Um, anyways, uh, so we'll start up the segment today in San Francisco where the Golden State Warriors want to build an arena on top of two old piers. Aside from the local residents who aren't really pleased with the city's use of a uh, TIF tax to help fund this project, as you predicted last week, uh, plus I'm sure they're not looking forward to having two stadiums, AT&T Park being the other, uh, so close to, to each other. Theoretically, could this project pay for itself uh, if the city pushes hard um, for no subsidies since San Francisco is a big area and it doesn't have currently have an arena? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big question. Right now, the closest thing it has to an arena is the Cow Palace, which is, you know, old and small and doesn't um, host any, any uh, major sports teams. So, you know, this is the, the one potential exception to the rule that stadiums and arenas don't pay for themselves, right? Is an area that's totally ripe for something where there's a lot of people with money and you could, um, you know, sell out uh, 200 and 250 dates a year or something like that. Um, you know, the arena in Brooklyn might be an exception. We're still waiting to see on that. <laughs> but they said no, but they said they've, they've already booked 210 dates. That was the latest number I saw wow. over the first year, which is a stupendously high number for a new arena, um, especially one in an area that already has you know, numerous other arenas, Madison Square Garden, um, two arenas in New Jersey, Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. So, um, yeah, if you can can fill your arena two nights out of three or, you know, four nights out of five or something like that um, and get people to pay top dollar, conceivably you can pay for it. The big conceivably, right? Um, yeah. We've talked about this before in Seattle that uh, we don't know if it's going to work there, and I think... You know, we don't know if it's going to work in San Francisco, um, and we don't know exactly how much they're going to be asking for in terms of kickback property taxes and free land and stuff like that. So, um, but it, again, this is potentially the sort of place where an, a new arena might actually make sense, even in a world without, uh, you know, massive public subsidies to try and get <laughs> as part of the arena deal. Um, yeah. But we'll see, you know. Um, again, like you said, San Francisco is you know, someplace that is going to be, is going to uh, subject us to s- severe scrutiny, both from neighborhood groups and the, and the um, Board of Supervisors and things like that. So yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope that this uh, isn't a bait and switch. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll know more when we know more. Yeah. Is uh, San Francisco in a big enough market so Oracle Arena could still be viable in the Cow Palace and still turn a profit? That's another question about about Oracle still being viable. Um, that You know, it's the Oakland Arena, obviously. And, yeah. Uh, the, it, it's, it's maybe, I guess, is the answer. Um, you know, New York has, like I said, uh, five arenas now, but I don't think all five of those are viable. And New York is a heck of a lot bigger than the... San Francisco Bay Area. Um, my guess would be that um, a new arena in San Francisco would end up being sort of the primary place that people would want to go because that's 
you know, if you're if you're going to play a big concert there, that's where more of the people with the money are, and it's pretty easy to get there um, from the East Bay by by public transit anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think maybe is the answer. It's certainly a bigger market than Seattle, where we've been skeptical about uh, about two arenas surviving. Um, but uh, it's not an enormous market, so uh, you know, if I were the people running running the Oracle Arena, I would be slightly anxious about this. Yeah, in other NBA arena news, with great grand uh, with great fanfare about a month ago, Comcast wanted to build an arena for uh, in Virginia Beach and the Sacramento Kings, of course, for the name there were the team linked to that city. Uh, then the crickets promptly came out, and the news of the Air Arena went cold. Virginia Beach citizens, when polled last week, and they still hate the arena plan, um, then add the TIFF's uh, financing model, and then the opposition to it rises. Is this a case in many cities where people, when asked if they like the idea, um, usually they don't, and then the poll numbers usually don't translate into more political activism around opposing the arena. It's just kind of like a passive, no, I don't want to do this, but it doesn't turn into like outrage usually. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it, I, I don't think it should be any surprise that if you ask people, should we take tax money and give it to sports team owners? Um, <laughs> most people, including sports fans, are going to say, what are you, crazy? I give enough of my money <laughs> for sports team owners? Like, you know, shell out for tickets and $8 beers and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's most people um, are are not a fan of that concept. And, you know, even when you say, well, what if it means getting a team? What if it means you know, keeping a team from moving, they're still going to say, well, no, they should be paying for it with their own money. Um, whether it translates into political activism, I mean, you know, most, I think most things that most people feel don't translate into political action for, for the vast majority of people. Um, you know, it's always a, a small percentage of the population that actually, you know, gets off their butts and tries to do something about it. Um, but there's a couple of problems in particular here. One is that, especially in East Coast cities like Virginia Beach, it really does not matter how many people are polled one way or the other. It matters what the city council is going to vote on this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a couple of rare exceptions, but um, mostly people don't get kicked out of office for even supporting wildly unpopular stadium deals. Uh, Mayor of Miami and uh, a guy up in, a legislator up in Wisconsin who voted for the Brewers Stadium, uh, he cast a deciding vote, switched his vote, um, because the governor arm twisted him into doing it, um, are the two people I can think of who uh, who got booted out of office um, specifically over stadium deals, or, or you know at least that was a large part of uh, of why they you know were recalled and not reelected. Um, but you know there's there's a million reasons why people vote the way they vote. So um, unfortunately, it's really hard to hold keep people accountable even for unpopular uh, stadium and arena votes. Yeah. Um, and then the other problem, of course, is that even if it's you know, a city where you have to have a referendum, um, then it's a public, you know, election campaign, and you can always spend an awful lot of money um, just trying to sway people. I remember, oh man, this was probably 15 years ago, going to a conference of, uh, of stadium builders, and this one guy, uh, uh, Jay Cross, from who had worked on uh, Miami Heat's campaign and more recently worked on the New York Jets stadium campaign. Um, was saying, yeah, you know, we had a debate about whether it was uh, better to have a referendum or not, because some of us thought, well, you know, you don't want to go up and have to go before the voters, and the other uh, others of us felt, well, hey, it's just a campaign, and that way we can 
just spend whatever it takes to win the campaign, and then we have we can say, okay, hey, the voters voted for it. You can't complain about it. Um, so it's it's a problem, you know, because it doesn't take probably more than you know at the outside ten or twenty million dollars to win a, uh, a referendum campaign. You know, that's a, an a, a enormous amount of money to spend on something like that. Yeah. And when the benefit that you're going to get is potentially in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, that's really a no-brainer for stadium builders to do. Yeah. Any word on why Virginia Beach, since it's uh, the biggest, well, the biggest city in that area is North Fork, which ranks 40th in the media markets, and the rumored team, the Kings, already reside in the 27th media market, or is the difference between 27th and 40th negligible? Um, why they would want to go from Sacramento to Virginia Beach, I don't think they would. Um, yeah. On the other hand, you know, you're now getting Virginia ba- Beach mentioned in the same sentence as NBA cities. So I guess Virginia Beach holding that <laughs> press conference has paid off for them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think many people took that seriously in the first place. And, uh, again, it's conceivable that it might go ahead, but... It seems pretty crazy, um, you know. Unless Virginia Beach was talking about putting up virtually all the money, um, you know, what would be the advantage of a team like the Kings or, or any other team moving there um, as opposed to staying put where they are? Yeah. Any word on why? Uh, I'm sorry. Back in Edmonton, um, the ongoing implosion of the arena deal for the Oilers keeps deteriorating. Oilers owner Daryl Katz wrote a pissy open letter complaining about the Edmonton's political office holders, with the end result. That being that no one on the city side is overly eager to build the arena anymore. Does Carol Katz get detention in Gary Bettman's office for ruining relations between the team and everyone else in Edmonton since Edmonton is one of the NHL's best markets? I mean, I don't, I don't know how Bettman feels about, about Katz at this point. I mean, clearly there's a long tradition of owners playing hardball, um, and you can sort of do a good cop, bad cop thing, right, where yeah. you, the owner comes out and says, I, you know, I can't talk to these people, and then the commissioner says, well, let's try and figure out a way of making it happen, or vice versa, where the commissioner comes in and says, you know, this team can't possibly survive without a new building. And then the owner says, oh, well, you know, the league is saying we need a new building, so you've got to do something for us. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's still very puzzling exactly what's going on up there, since Edmonton offered an awful lot of money, and Katz, basically every time they offered, you know, more money, said, well, I need even more money than that. And then when the city council and the mayor said, well, we just want to know exactly how much you're asking for, he, you know, threw a hissy fit and said, um, <laughs> well, if you're going to be that way, you know, I don't see that we have anything to talk about. Um, it's a very, very strange negotiating tactic, um, but I have to think he has some reason behind it, although, I, you know, as, as I have to keep reminding myself, um, we can't always assume that sports team owners have any reason for doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> he... We, as we've see, as we've seen from a lot of the decisions about things on the field, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes they're just rich guys who found themselves with uh, with a team, and they, you know, don't actually know what they're doing, and uh, and you know, something that seems like, you know, some sort of clever secret conspiracy is just, you know, shooting themselves in the foot because they don't know what to do. Yeah, it's not like he's creating leverage or doing anything tactful or interesting. He's just he's acting like a five year old. 
Yeah, well, again, sometimes acting like a five-year-old gets your way, um, whether you're a five-year-old or whether you're a sports team owner. And maybe he thinks, you know, um, hey, if I just, uh, you know, stamp my foot and, uh, and fly off to Seattle and meet with people there, people will be so frightened that they'll give me whatever I want, even if I don't know what I want yet. Um, not working all that well, but, again, you know, if what happens now is the city council says, no, we won't give you a penny over the $400 million we already said we're going to give you, then, you know, the worst you can do is sort of back down and say, okay, fine, I'll take that. And, yeah. you know, suddenly it seems like the, the, the city has, has this major victory over him, whereas, in fact, he's gotten pretty much exactly what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, what are the consequences for Daryl Katz since he missed the deadline to submit his demands to the city? Um, well, you know, the council's officially said that they've sort of broken off negotiations, but, you know, negotiations could always be restarted. So, yeah. um, I, I think, you know, this, this is, this is sort of basically a big game of chicken where the two sides are, 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 you know, saying we're not going to talk to each other. And then eventually I assume they, someone will broker a, uh, a deal to start talking again. Um, you know, the interesting thing to me is at this point, um, the city has the opportunity to reopen the whole question and say, wait, why were we going to give you $400 million again? Um, and, uh, and, you know, sort of backtrack away from where they were. I don't know if they're going to do that yet, but uh, uh, I think the longer that Katz holds out, the more there's sort of an opportunity for resistance among the council. To build. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave off in Los Angeles where the NFL really is eager to build on Chavez Ravine, according to sources. Does that mean the Dodgers would move to the proposed farmer's field site, theoretically? Or do they build parking structures on and share the hill with the NFL team? And how likely yeah, do you... Yeah, that's, that's the big question, right? And it, this is based on some unnamed source who, you know, close to the NFL, who said this to one sports reporter. So we, we don't know what it actually means. It could just be you know, that somebody in the NFL office is sort of sighing and saying, man, sure would be nice if we go to Chavez de Ravine. <laughs> that downtown side is just a bit with the AG, is just a big mess. Um, but, you know, you'd still have the problems of how to pay for it, um, and then you'd have the problems of parking, obviously, or what to do with the Dodgers. I really would be surprised if the new Dodgers ownership was interested in moving at this point since they've already hired Janet Marie Smith to work on renovating uh, Dodger Stadium. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the L.A. NFL stuff, I think, is, I've been saying for a while now, is going nowhere fast or going around in circles. And I think, you know, this is just sort of throwing out another trial balloon. Um, and eventually the NFL probably hopes that they'll, that they'll get something done. But, in the meantime, it's working great for them because, you know, every team in the in the nation can still say, hey, you know, they're working on a stadium out in L.A. We could go <laughs> yeah. there and use that as leverage. So yeah. the NFL doesn't actually need a new stadium. They just need to talk about a new stadium. It works just fine. Yeah, it does. Well, uh, my guest has been Neil DeMoss. He is a regular, uh, he's a regular guest on the show, and he runs the awesome blog at fieldofschemes.com. Thank you for joining us on the show today, Neil. Cool. Talk to you next week. Okay. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking with Coda Motors Vice President of Marketing Product Planning, Greg Adams. And Coda Motors, if you don't know, is a completely electric car company. They make no combustion engine motor cars.